0: And that is the truth, our heart is what counts. Open your Bibles again to Ezekiel chapter 14. Thank you gentlemen for a wonderful song and uh, well done. I appreciate that. Ezekiel chapter 14, you say preacher last Sunday morning you taught Sunday school from Ezekiel, you preached Sunday morning from Ezekiel and Sunday night and here again this morning. There's a lot of water in this well, a lot of water in this well I'll tell you. And I'm going to tell you how I got to the sermon uh, in the introduction and then I'll preach the sermon uh, this morning as I preach on the subject, God's example of a victor. You may want to write down six words or phrases because uh, they're powerful, they're good, they're helpful. God's example of a victor. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. I do not take for granted the wonderful opportunity that I have to preach to these dear people that I love and serve. And I do not want to fail them by preaching in the arm of the flesh. I want to please you and meet their needs by being filled with the spirit of God as I preach the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As you know, Ezekiel is a prophet to to these Jews as they are in captivity. Uh, The first part of the book, he preaches and teaches about judgment. And then the last part of the book, he teaches and preaches about revival. In this first part, he is talking about their sin. And the book of Ezekiel was not just messages for the day in which he lived, It is a book of prophecy that will be fulfilled, in fact is being fulfilled, in the day in which we live. What he is preaching about to the people here is what we would relate to what the Bible calls a falling away uh, in the last days. And folks, we're living in the days of the return of Christ. It does not take a student of Bible prophecy to know that as you look around the world and you see nations melting into one great conglomerate mess, you realize that there will soon be a call for an antichrist that can bring peace to the world, at least what they will define as peace. Ah, but the coming of the Son of, of, the Son of Man is nigh. I look forward to the coming of Christ. In this passage of scripture, he is telling them uh, that their sin has become so bad, uh, they have become so idolatrous. In fact, uh, these folks had come to the place that what they wanted to worship is what they worshiped, and they'd forgotten the God of heaven. He said, your sin and your rebellion is so bad, it wouldn't matter if the greatest preachers of the Old Testament came They couldn't help anybody because of the hardness of your heart. And I read that, and I read it in verse 14, and it's interesting. He said, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, we know about those men and what they did and their lives saved others. He said, if these men were in it, they should not deliver but their own souls. But then I saw it again in verse number 16. Though these three men were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Then he says in verse number 18, Though these three men were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Verse number 20, though Noah, Daniel, and Job, he says it four times. I'm reading that and it gets my attention. It says, if these three men, the greatest of Old Testament saints, if they were here to warn you of your sin, you would not turn from your sin. They couldn't couldn't turn their own sons and daughters, but they themselves, he said, would be saved. Now here's what's interesting. These three men are named by God himself uh, through the prophet Ezekiel as three great men. Now that's not the message, but it led me to this question. What made these men victors? What did these men have? What did God say about these three men? What did God say that I could uh, look that I could list and I could look at and say I want that in my life because as the pressures of the last days, the pressures of the falling away, the pressures that we see happening in our nation and in our world, what is it that causes a man to stand against that kind of pressure in the last days. So take your Bibles, if you will, and go to the book of Job. I want you to go to the book of Job, and we're going to read just a verse here, Job chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse number 8. Let's just go ahead and read 6, 7, and 8. Now when the, uh, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, God speaks to Satan, Job 1, 7, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? God God testifies, God brags on one of his servants. He said, Have you seen Job? Have you considered Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job serve God for naught? Has, thou, uh, has not thou made an hedge about him? Now, in these verses, not just the ones I've read, but even previous verses, I find six descriptions of Job that caused him to be able to stand. And I don't know anyone that face more difficulty, more tragedy than anyone else in all of the Old Testament like Job did. I've listed these six things. You may want to write them down and see what it is that helped Job to stand in the evil day. And as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in having done all to stand... I want to give you these things. First of all, he says earlier in the chapter, he says of Job, He is my servant. The first thing I want to say about Job, he was a child of God. He was a believer in God. He had put his faith in God. God said, He is my servant. He was a child of God. He had made that most important decision of life that he would put his faith in God. In fact, he said this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I want to tell you this morning the very first thing, the very first thing to being a man who will stand in the day of difficulty is to be a child of God. Is to be a child of God, and that's very simple. To receive Christ as personal Savior, it's a very, but it's the most important thing. And I want to say, if you're here today, or you're watching me today online, and you've never received Christ as Savior, there's nothing more important than to become a child of God. Uh, Bill is here this morning, and uh, Bill is a childhood friend of Brother Jack Taylor. And Bill Cain this morning, it's his first time. He just received Christ as his Savior this morning. He made that decision. You You know what the Bible says in the book of Mark? What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He follows that up with a question and says, What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to say this morning, dear friend, if you've never received Christ as Savior, this ought to be the day right here, this place today, that you receive Christ as Savior. What a wonderful thing it is that God said, He is my servant. He belongs to me. I'm glad that I am His and He is mine. You know, there are many things that God claims as His own. It's quite interesting uh, when you think of all that God can claim as his own. Uh, he can claim the sun, the moon, the stars. He's the one that put it there. He's the one that carved out the rivers and the streams and the lakes and the oceans. Uh, it is God that put the hills where they are and he said he is the owner of a ca- of the cattle on a thousand hills and one preacher as you've heard me say said he owns the cattle, he owns the hills, he owns the taters that are in the hills. God owns it all but of the thing God owns uh, that I am most grateful for I am glad that I can sing the song he is mine and I am his now, folks, listen to me. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. You don't put your faith in a church. You don't put your faith in a philosophy. You don't put your faith in faith. You put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Faith alone does not save, but the object of our faith, which is Jesus Christ the sinless one the holy one the one who the scribes and lawyers followed him trying to find just one mistake trying to find just one sin they knew the book from the beginning to the end and they followed jesus to see if they could find one fault in him Pilate said it best at the day he was tried. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. My faith is found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever living one. His wounds for me doth plead. You know, it's a good thing when God says he is mine. Amen. He is mine. You know, ownership is important and to know ownership states The value of a thing as much as who owns it. It, You may say of a nice car. Well, whose car is that? Or you might say, whose house is that? Or you may say, whose briefcase or whose purse is that? Who it belongs to makes a big difference, doesn't it? It, it makes a big difference. You may say uh, that belongs to a, a young married couple in church. They probably don't have any money. They just have receipts for diapers and wipes and food. And that's they don't have any money. Uh, or it, it, you may say uh, that belongs to a doctor or a police officer or a teacher. Or you might say that belongs to the governor. One day we have a lost and found at our college. And when they find things, they put them in lost and found and folks can go. And uh, they can get them out cheap, 50 cents for a dollar and they can get things out. I I left my briefcase there one day and I went back to the office to get it and it was gone. And I thought, well, maybe I took it back to the office and forgot it. I I I don't always lose things. I just forget where I put them. I went back to my office. My briefcase wasn't there. And I thought, what in the world did I do with my briefcase? Next class, a young man came walking into class with my briefcase. He bought it at Lost and Found for 50 cents. It still had the tag on it, Delta Diamond Traveler. you got to travel a lot of miles to get that status. And I, and, 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 and I found it, you know, and, and I said, you know whose briefcase that is? He said, I do. I said, whose is it? He said, mine. I bought it for 50 cents and lost and found. I said, you know whose it was before you bought it at Lost and Found? He said, no, who? I said, guess who's Delta Diamond uh, uh, around here? He said, preacher, is that yours? And I gave him $5 for uh, the briefcase and I got it back. You see, who's something be- who uh, belongs or owns something makes a difference, you see. I thought he was going to raise the price to $10, and they recommended that he do it, but he didn't. If you look at something, they say, oh, that belongs to the president. Wow. You know who I belong to? Excuse me now. Careful, don't get too excited. You know who I belong to? I belong to the king. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holds all the wealth of the world in his hands of silver and diamond, of of silver and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. And I'm a child of the king. You can become a child of the king by simply receiving Christ as your savior. But that's not all he said about Job, but that wasn't all that made him a success. He also said, He is my servant. You know what he had decided? He had decided of all the things in the world that wanted his attention and of all the things that he would invest his time and life in, he decided that he would give his life to serve and please God. Job did what the Bible tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 33 where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You see, being a servant is not a position Uh, all but being a servant it is everything that we are it's our attitude our surrender our yieldedness our respect for someone that we would invest our lives in he says uh, of job not only is he mine he said he is my servant he's given himself to serve me As I read through the Bible, there are two people that a ruler or a master would choose for him. One would be a servant, the other would be a soldier. Paul told Timothy, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, Jesus said the greatest of all. When they asked Jesus, the disciples, they said, who is the greatest? And Jesus said, the servant." Now, now wait a minute. Where did this context come from? Ezekiel is preaching to a hard-hearted group of people. Specifically, he's preaching to the elders or the preachers. He's uh, preaching to the people that had had faith in God, uh, but not only their sin, the trial and the judgment of their sin, had caused them to turn from faith in God, and he was telling them, uh, if these three men came and preached, they couldn't save anybody but themselves. Four times he said these men would be saved, but none others would. Nobody would listen to them, and that made me wonder what in the world did these men have or know or do that caused them to be men that God said they'll survive uh, the falling away. They'll def- uh, they'll survive. Uh, The deceptions of Satan. They'll uh, uh, they'll survive the difficulties and the trials. What is it? Well, Job, first of all, belonged to God. Second of all, he was God's servant. Let me give you the third thing. God said this There's none like Job. There's none like him in all the earth. And I wrote down this word. In fact, I wrote down two words. First of all, the word rare, rare, and the word peculiar. I'm not talking about how you want your steak. I'm talking about, and that's what you're thinking about right now is lunch. Rare meant that he was peculiar or one of a few. There are different things of value that people collect. Some collect for value. Some collect for personal interest or for a fun hobby. Whatever it is that we that we collect, there are some of those items that we refer to as rare. This one belonged to a certain person 150 years ago. Or this belonged to my great-grandmother. Or this belonged to someone important. The Bible says of Job that there was none like him. He was peculiar. He was rare. God said, Job's not like the average. He's above average. Job has given himself to me completely to the place that, that Job, there's just none like him in all of the world. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse number 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar People. It doesn't mean odd or crazy. It means that when you speak of Job, you knew whose servant he was. You knew what he had intended to do with his life. Job didn't just care about himself, he cared about his children and he would make sacrifice and he would pray and say, Oh God, I don't want my children to rob you. I want my children to give to you what belongs to you. And he cared not only for himself, he cared for his children. There weren't many people like Job... Oh, can I tell you this morning, dear friend, as God looked down in the days of Noah and he saw sin and wickedness everywhere, the Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God looks down in this whole wicked world today. May he look at your house and may he look at my house and say, that's not like the average house. That's not like the average home. While it may not be the most expensive on the block or in the neighborhood, those people there, They're mine and they pray to me and they recognize me and they think on my name. May your home be described that way. He said these three men, they'd make it through anything. What is it that make these men what they are? First of all, he belonged to God. He was a child of God. Second of all, he was God's servant. Third of all, he had given himself for God to the place that he said there is none like him. I'll give you the fourth thing. The Bible said that Job was perfect. You might want to write that word down, he was perfect. Now you say, Preacher, what does it mean that he's perfect? Does it mean Job never made a mistake? That's not true because we find mistakes that Job made and admitted to in the book about Job. Did Job never fail God? That's not true. Job questioned God. What does being perfect mean? Don't miss it now. Don't miss it. It means that Job reached his full potential. Job gave everything in his heart and soul and life to God. Let me give you this illustration that help you understand. You know, the Bible says, Be therefore perfect even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. You say, how can I be perfect like God is perfect? I've given this illustration before. I think it's a good illustration understanding this. If a child in the first grade uh, takes a test, uh, perhaps it will be a a spelling test and it would have uh, words like jack and the ball and the heel and fell and ran. And he took a test and he scored a 100%. He would have an A are a 100% and perhaps there's so, somebody over here, they're in pre-med school and they're talking about theories and they're talking about physics and talking about medicine and things uh, that you have to be pretty well educated uh, to understand and they take a test and uh, uh, they too uh, get an A. They get a 100%. I ask you something, is that person in the first grade as smart as this pre-med student? No, but he was perfect on his test. He gave all he could to God. And when the Bible says that Job was perfect, it didn't say he was equal to God. He said everything Job had to give, he gave. As much as Job could love, he loved. He didn't hold anything back. Job was perfect He did his best. And dear friend, I may not even be in the first grade as a Christian, but I want God to have all of me there is to have. That day as a 16-year-old boy, as I had driven that van taking folks home from church and I pulled over beside the old gravel road, beside the low water bridge there, and I looked up into the sky and I gave my life to God. I gave him everything that I could give. I gave him my heart, my soul, my dreams, my vision, everything I gave it to God. I may just be in the first grade, but I want to give it all to God. And that's what God says about Job here. I love the hymn writer as he wrote the song, Hear ye the master's call, give me thy best, for be it great or small, that is his test. Do then the best you can, not for reward, not for the praise of men, but for the Lord. Wait not for men to laud. Heed not their slight. Winning the smile of God brings its delight. Aiding the good and true. Ne'er goes unblessed. And that we think or do be it the best. Give your best to God. Give your best to God. Don't give what's left over. Give what's first and right and best. And give it to God. That's the fourth thing. Number five, what did he say about Job? What did he say about this man that would survive in the most difficult, the most challenging of days? What did he say? Well, number five, he said Job fears the Lord. Now, the word fear is oftentimes related to abuse or unkindness, but he's not talking about that at all. He's talking about a fearful respect. Here's what he's talking about. Everything he did in life, He gauged it by God's desire. And in no way did he ever want to go against God. In no way did he ever want to offend God. In no way did he ever want to make God not pleased with him. The Bible says Job feared the Lord. Hey, that will change your living on Monday. Uh, that'll change your living on Friday night and Saturday when we live our life not to please others as they sang and the, uh, the quartet sang about our heart. That's what's important. And the Bible said of Job that he feared God. With this attitude today, I don't fear anybody. Folks will say, no fear. That means I don't even fear God. I want to tell you something. We better fear God today. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in verse number 13, the man that God attributed to a man with the most wisdom on earth. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or good or whether it be evil. I'm not trying to take a truth and hit you over the head with it. I'm trying to take a truth and set it as a standard. So that's what my goal is. That's what I want to grow to. Uh, Folks, we're living in a day. I want to tell you something. uh, If we continue as we are and on the pace we are, Christians are going to be tried for their faith. Christians are going to be tried for their faith in God. There's coming a day. You understand how frightening it was just to read the story. And I saw uh, some of the pictures as the Taliban was going uh, house to house just looking for those uh, that were Americans or related to Americans. Remind me of what the Bible said of Saul. They went house to house looking for those that were Christians. Hey, folks, that day's coming back. Uh, your faith better be founded on something more uh, than a quartet convention and a few old songs. It better. Uh, did you hear me? I'm not against good singing, but I want to tell you so- uh, something. Your faith better be founded in the word of God. He feared God. I'll give you the sixth thing and I'm finished. He said, Job eschews evil. What does that mean? He avoids it. He shuns it. He disdains evil. Job's not entertained by evil. He's entertained by righteousness. He's not pleased by the things of the world. He's pleased by the things of God. These six things describe a man that God gives as an example of a victor. The Bible says this. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Let me get you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll show you this in closing. 1 Peter chapter 3. It is a time for preaching, isn't it, Sunday morning? 1 Peter chapter 3. Notice what he says in verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 3. For he that will love life, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. That's what God said about Job. And do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it, for the eyes of the Lord, are over the righteous, and his ears are upon, are open unto their prayers but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Here's a message. Ezekiel comes and he said, it's a wicked time. He said, there's pressure. We're we're under the captivity of the Babylonians. And to be a person of faith in God is not only not popular, it isn't safe. And he said, it's come to the place today that there's been such a wickedness and even the elders have turned from the truth that these three great men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, could not get anybody converted, but they themselves would survive. What made Job survive? First of all, he belonged to God. That's the start. Second of all, he was God's servant. Third of all, he was rare or peculiar. Fourth of all, he was perfect. He gave God everything he had to give him. Number five, he feared God. Number six, he eschewed evil. Stand with me, if you will. As we face these days, well, I want a faith that is strong and a faith that is on a solid foundation. What a good example. Jesus Jesus gave the example. What a good example it, it is for us to follow. If there's one of those areas of our life that we need to work on today. We ought to commit to God, I'm going to work on that particular area of my life. I not only want to please you, I don't want to be able to stand under pressure. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless our invitation now. I pray for the decisions that should be made that they would be made. I pray for those that need to know you as Savior, that they'd not put it off until after a while or tomorrow. Lord, they would trust you even now. And those that have been saved would follow you this morning in believer's baptism, letting others know, I put my faith in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we as Christians would look at this list and say, that area I need to work on, that area I need to change. I want to be able to stand in the evil day. Bless your invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.